going to note, beginning at verse 33, the last verse, and read the entire 50th chapter. And we're going to note article of faith number four. And again, uh, as we come to our fifth message, article number four, and I believe that this article is placed in a very good position in the list of articles. And if you uh, know, if you remember, our first article was the Bible, and then the second is God, and then third it was the sovereignty of God, and then God's will of pleasure. And they seem to flow uh, one from the other. And, you know, we start with the Bible. It brings us to the understanding that there is a God. And from the Bible, we learn all about God. And we learn about his characteristic that he is sovereign, which means that he is boss. And following the fact that he is our boss... God has a will of pleasure. And God's will of pleasure means this. It's what God has said in his word that we are to do. It is different from God's will of purpose. And we're going to draw these things out here tonight. You've heard me say, God has a determinate will... And God has a permissive will. God has as well, and these are very closely related, he has a secret will or a secret purpose, and God has a revealed purpose and a revealed will. And what we have tonight is we're noting primarily God's revealed will or his revealed purpose. And our articles of faith uh, article number four makes this very clear as to God's will of pleasure. And it also differentiates in them God's will of purpose. And so we're going to note here tonight these things. Genesis chapter 49 and verse 33. The Bible says, And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost or the spirit, and was gathered unto his people. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him, Three score and ten days. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now, therefore, let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up, and bury thy father, according as he hath made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. And all the house of Joseph 
and his brethren and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons did unto him according as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for a possession of a burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did it unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Now note particularly here these next two verses. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And I apologize, we're going to stop at the end of verse 21. But I want you to take note that after Jacob died, Joseph and his 11 brothers, because there were 12 of them, they went and buried him and they thought, as the Bible told us here, that now that Jacob was dead, Joseph would requite unto them the evil. That is, he would recompense, he would have his revenge on them for when they tried to kill him. You're familiar how that they were jealous of him because uh, Jacob loved Joseph more than all of the other children that he had. And how that they took him and they were going to kill him and they... Uh, threw him in a pit, lied to their father, and all the evil that they did. And Joseph says here in verse 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. And we have here in this, a perfect example and illustration of God's will of pleasure and God's will of purpose. And I believe we'll bring this out here with the help of the Lord. 
Now again, we must remember, as we noted last Wednesday night, that God is sovereign. And therefore, whatever God does is good and right. There's no questioning to this. Again, if God decides to slay every one of us here, then so be it. It is right. And we find here that the Bible tells us that his brothers, here if you would, they did these things evilly or evil unto him. Turn, if you would, to Genesis 37. Genesis chapter 37. And I'll read here verses 19 and verse 20. Genesis 37 and verse 19. His brothers here holding a conference together. And let's read verse 18, 19, and 20. Genesis 37, verse 18. And when they saw him, that is Joseph, afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. So this was in their hearts. This was the eleven brothers of Jacob, or eleven brothers of Joseph. And this is what their heart was. Now turn over to Exodus chapter 20, and we'll read verse 13 only. God's will of pleasure is this. It is what God has revealed to humanity as what pleases him. That's what God's will of pleasure is. And in Exodus 20 and verse 13 it says, Thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt do no murder. And this law that Moses wrote here was already on the books back when Cain killed Abel. So God's will of pleasure was this, thou shalt do no murder. To not murder pleases God. And so the brothers of Joseph knew that when they conspired to kill Joseph, they were violating God's will of pleasure. And as our Constitution or as our Articles of Faith state, it is God's will of pleasure that fixes man's duty and responsibility. It is what this book right here tells us to do is God's will of pleasure. And by His grace alone, we should try and expect to do these things. But we read... People say, well, what about God's purpose? We're responsible for his will of pleasure. We're not responsible for the purpose. God will bring that to pass. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29. And we'll give some examples here throughout the scriptures this evening. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. Here Moses records, and I believe he was speaking about this very thing, God's will of purpose. And again, there, there are two different things, and we're going to try this evening to, to uh, keep them separate because they are. But I want you to take note here in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. It says, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. Now, I'm going to stop there for a minute. 
And that's exactly what transpired with Joseph. When his brothers put him in the pit, God's purpose was being fulfilled while they violated the pleasure of God. And so we see that these instances coming to pass, we see man was responsible. His brother should not have tried to kill him. But yet sin, God uses it and brings his will to pass, his purpose. Now we'll note further here throughout the message, and we hope to make it clear and plain. But the Bible says here in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. That's our responsibility, to do all the words of God. People say, what about the secret things? Let God take care of the secret things. We don't know anything about them. We have absolutely no clue. I don't know anything about, and I'll give you an example that's near and dear to us. I don't know what God's purpose is, of the letters of discipline that went out. But I do know this. We were responsible as a church to administer that because that's what his Bible says. That's our fulfillment of God's will of pleasure. I don't know what his secret purpose is regarding that. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe it'll remain a secret. But I want you to take note here and you can hold your spot in Deuteronomy 29. We'll be referring back to that. But you know there in Genesis chapter 50, our text, and verse 20, the Bible says, Joseph's told his brothers, he said, You wanted me dead because you were jealous, you were envious, you were covetous. And that right there is a handful of sin. And he told them, he said, You meant it for evil. He said, but God meant it for good. Because you remember what happened when Joseph, well, he went down into the pit and they brought him up, the Gentiles did, who were coming. And they took him and sold him into Egypt. And he went into, he, he went into prison. And he had a, Pharaoh had a dream and he interpreted all of these dreams. And he saved all of Egypt from drought. And then in another part of the world over in Canaan, they had some famine. And Jacob sent his 11 sons to go to Egypt to buy grain. And there was Joseph in charge of the grain houses of Egypt. God's purpose was for those 11 men to sustain them who tried to kill others. And so we find here that God's will of pleasure was this. Thou shalt do no murder. And they violated that, and they were guilty of it. People say, well, how can they be guilty of it? Because they were responsible not to murder. We are, again, as Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says, that which is revealed belongs unto us. And God had revealed, thou shalt do no murder to them, when he banished Cain out, and he told him, you're going to be a vagabond and a wanderer. And so we find that this is what God's will of pleasure is God's will of purpose you know the verse that we use Romans 8 28 
And we know all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Things worked out for Joseph. All things work out according to God's purpose and plan. Nothing can thwart what God has said he would do. Not one thing. That's his purpose. But we don't change God's purpose. We don't fulfill God's purpose. We do his pleasure. And that's where we need to focus on, is what he's revealed unto us. Again, as our articles of faith state, that it is God's will of pleasure that fixes or settles man's duty and responsibility. My duty is to preach the gospel. Why? Because God's word clearly states that. Doesn't say anything about souls being saved is my responsibility. It says preach it. God's purpose will take care of salvation. Then we find as well, and I believe that we have uh, shown some things here revealing uh, the difference between God's will of purpose and God's will of pleasure. Turn to Jonah, our old friend uh, Jonah here, and we want you to note in Jonah chapter 1, and verses 1, 2, and 3. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. In verses 1 and 2, we have God's will of pleasure. God told Jonah what he wanted him to do. And we find here in Jonah 1 and verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. So that was God's will of pleasure. That was Jonah's duty. He said, this is what I want you to do. And because God is sovereign, and he is Jonah's boss, Jonah should have listened to him. And that's why we get chastened when we don't do what God tells us to because it pleases him like a parent. When a child doesn't do what pleases a parent, they get chastened. That's scriptural. But we find here that what transpired, Jonah went to Tarshish, verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. This here shows us God's will of purpose. And I'll explain that with another verse. Turn to Matthew. Hold in Jonah and turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And you know what happened when Joseph had gone to Tarshish. What if Jonah had never gone to Tarshish? Well, what do we find would have happened? Jesus Christ, there was a God had a purpose in this. And that was the sign of Jonah. Because if Jonah never went, there never would have been a sign. Here in Matthew chapter 12. And notice you would, verse 38. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, 
Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now I want to tell you this. Hundreds, perhaps thousands of years, I don't have my chronologicalness or chronology memorized, but from Jesus to Jonah, Jonah had no idea that what he did and being in the fish's belly, that it would be a sign of the Messiah. None whatsoever. All he knew was God wanted him to go to Nineveh. That's the only thing. That's what he should have done. He should have fulfilled the pleasure of God because that's what was revealed. God hadn't revealed this. God hadn't said, whispered in Jonah's ear, I want you to really disobey me. And then you're going to go on a ship. And then I'm going to have them throw you off. And then you're going to spend three days and three nights in a fish's or whale's belly. And then it's going to spit you up. And then you're going to go to Tarshish. God didn't have this private conversation. All Jonah knew was going to Nineveh. That was God's revealed will. And that's what he should have done. He should have done it the first time. But we see in verse 3, God had a purpose. And we'll bring all these things together as we continue on in the message. Turn back to Jonah. Remember, the secret things belong unto the Lord. And the revealed things belong unto us. For what? That we will do them. Here in Jonah chapter 1, or I apologize, let's look over to Jonah 3. In Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1, and we find here, and we'll read some scripture, that God's will of purpose and God's will of pleasure come together. They come together. Jonah 3 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh. See, God's pleasure, it doesn't change. What pleases God yesterday still pleases God today. Why? Because he's immutable. He never changes. So that's why what was written in the Bible thousands of years ago still pleases God today. He told Jonah, verse 2, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now again, that's the revealed will of pleasure of God. And then verse 10. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. That was God's purpose, to save a people from their sins. See how God's will of pleasure and God's purpose comes to pass? God has purpose before the foundation of the world to save lost and dying people. And he said, I'm going to do it this way, through the preaching of the gospel. And he commanded us to go and preach. And so we go and preach, and lo and behold, his purposes come to pass. And we find that the two agree with one another. And so here is Jonah. 
And you know, I don't believe Jonah nor Joseph's brothers ever said, well, we're fulfilling God's secret purpose. I don't believe that at all. Nobody stands around and does nothing and says, I'm fulfilling God's purpose for my life. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But here we find that God's will for your life and mine is revealed in his will. People say, what should I do? Read the Bible. It'll tell you what to do. That's what God wants you to do today. Now I want you to notice well, and we know what happened with Nineveh. God later on laid it to waste. We read that in the book of Nahum. And you know where Nineveh is today. It's right near Baghdad, Iraq. It's the same place. Still causing problems today. But you know God's got a purpose in all of these things. Look if you would in Genesis chapter 2. The book of Genesis chapter 2. God had a purpose in permitting sin to come into this world. You know, God, the Bible tells us, and we'll read it later on, but the Bible tells us that God chose men and women, boys and girls, who had done no good or no evil to save them. Because he chose us before we were even born. We hadn't done anything yet. And he picked or elected or chose or predestinated or whatever word you want to use, those whom he would save by his grace. But we know this. They had to sin before he could save them from sin. And so sin had a purpose in the plan of God. And yet God is not the author of it. He cannot be charged with sin because God never did sin. He allowed, he permitted it to take place for the furthering of his own will and purpose. Now know here in Genesis 2 and verse 17. What was God's revealed will or his will of pleasure to Adam and Eve? What was it? Verse 17 tells us. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's God's revealed will. He said, you eat and you'll die. He said, do not eat it. He said, don't do it. Well, what did they do? They ate and they died. Well, look here in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. 
So all that Adam and Eve knew was that they were not to eat of this tree. And they violated it. And they were guilty. But God had a purpose in permitting this to pass. What was that? Because he was going to save a people who would bring him honor and glory that could not have been made unto him without Jesus dying on the cross. Because you see, we are better off today than Adam was before sin. We have a closer communion and fellowship with Christ than Adam did. God walked with him in the garden, but Christ lives within us. And that was only made possible by Jesus at Calvary. Yes, God was not accountable. It was God, not God's, uh, he was not the author of sin. He will not be blamed for it. But God has a purpose in everything that happens in this world. And we have to believe that. Number one, the Bible declares it. And if God, if there are things that are happening that are contrary to the whole plan of God, then he's not God. And he's not sovereign. And yet we find in this that God is not accountable. He is not chargeable with sin whatsoever. People say, well, I'm fulfilling the purpose of God. Y'all be more concerned about the pleasure of God after you're saved. The Bible here shows us these things. God permitted sin to enter the world that there might be sinners for him to save. Who would he save if there was no sin? There had to be a need. And yet God in all of this remained holy and just and good and without guilt. People say, well, well, how could God permit such a thing? He told man what to do. He told them what to do and what not to do, and they violated it. How could a holy God not condemn sin? That's my question. People talk about and they look around the world and they see all these things. They say, how can God let these things happen? How can we believe that there's any good in humanity with all that's going on in the world? That's my question. But we find here that the Lord, he permitted these things to pass. Turn to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. And all of these things that God permitted ended up, or not ended up by chance, but God was curtailing them, God was guiding them, and moving them as far as their direction that they would bring to pass his will. It's just like with how did it happen to be that the Romans were in charge when Christ was born. Because the Greeks, they didn't crucify. That didn't start till the Romans started and had an empire. But you know, Christ, the Jews, if it would have been up to them, they would have stoned Jesus. They would have stoned him. They tried it. But you remember the Bible said, and Jesus spoke that the Son of Man must be lifted up like the serpent in the wilderness. And God brought it all to pass about his salvation and how Christ would die. 
Isaiah 14 and verse 24. The Bible says, The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Verse 27. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it, and his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Not even the devil or his angels, him or themselves, can thwart God's purpose. You know, it was the devil crying out there at Calvary unto Jesus, saying, if thou be the king of the Jews or if thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. I think the devil had an inkling of what was going on at Calvary. But he couldn't stop it. First he thought, well, I'll murder him, and that'll take care of it. And then, you know, because the devil knows more scripture than we do, put together. Maybe he put some things together and understood that, hey, this is part of God's plan. But we find here that nothing can stop God. Not his purpose. His pleasure is often violated. I'm sure we've been very unpleasing to God today, all of us, in some way, shape, or fashion. Look to Acts chapter 2 with me. Acts chapter 2. God's will of pleasure. Again, we're noting his purpose and pleasure because they're often confused. Many times people think God's will of pleasure and his will of purpose are synonymous with one another. They are not. Again, the secret things belong unto God. His purposes belong unto him, but he reveals his pleasure unto us. Acts chapter 2 and verse 23. Him, that is Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. That's God's will of purpose. That was his secret all along. Now note. Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. People say, how could the Jews and the Gentiles be accountable for Christ's death when it was God's purpose to deliver him? Because God said, thou shalt do no murder. That's what they should have done. They should have never murdered Christ. That's why it was murder. But see how the wrath of man... And the sin of man, and even that, God fulfills his purposes. Even that, that's a sovereign God right there. That's one who's in charge of all things. Ephesians chapter 1, if you would. Ephesians chapter 1. And note if you would. In verse 9 and 10 and 11. Here we find God's will of purpose and God's will of pleasure. It says in Ephesians 1 and verse 9, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will. Which will? His will of purpose. It was a mystery unto us. It was a secret. You know what a mystery is. It's what's behind this door. And we didn't know anything about it. Until God, as the Bible says, made it known unto us. Remember the Jews? 
there and his apostles. Remember Peter? How he cut off the servant's ear? He said, Lord, I'll defend you. Well, that wasn't God's purpose. The purpose of God was that Jesus would give his own life. And afterward, Peter knew. He understood. The Bible says in verse 9, Having made unto, known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. And whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinating, predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God works everything after what he has said. Those secret things, they're coming to pass right now. That which is not known to us. Maybe come Sunday we'll know some things that we didn't know today about the purpose and plan of God. We find here in this that the Bible says that we were predestinated according to the purpose. That was God's purpose. And it is different from his pleasure. And they run together at times and they are separate at times. And we find that these things are very true throughout the scriptures. There is no sinner nor man who violates the Bible, who violates what the Bible tells him to do, and will stand before God and say, I fulfilled my purpose. Not a one. They're guilty. They're guilty of God's word, violating the law of what God has told them to do. Look, if you would, in Romans 9, Romans chapter 9, I believe God has a purpose for everything. I believe God has a purpose for everyone. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 9, and in verse, I'll read verse, beginning of verse 14. You know the scriptures fairly well, I'm sure. Romans 9 and verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. And remember that. There is no unrighteousness with God. None at all. Verse 15. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Remember Pharaoh? God told Pharaoh through Moses to let my people go. And Pharaoh should have done it. But God's secret purpose was to harden his heart and to show how powerful God was. The ten plagues, and then the drowning in the sea. That's what the purpose of hardening the heart of Pharaoh was. God had a purpose too when we were sinners. And I'm sure it happened to you. When he hardened your heart towards him. 
When you heard the gospel preached and you rejected God's word and your heart got harder and harder and harder and then God showed you something. He showed you how strong he was when he broke it down. God had a purpose in that. Note verse 19. I apologize. Verse 18 of Romans 9. Therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Now know verse 20. Nay, or excuse me, nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? This is all the purpose of God. God has a secret purpose. You didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. No sinner knows that God had a purpose with their life. Look here in verse 22. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? So here is the question that Paul puts forth. He says, what if God, willing to show his wrath, what is the purpose of a sinner? It's for God to show his wrath on them and his hatred of sin for all eternity. And the Bible says they are fitted for destruction, and I believe they fitted themselves for it. I don't believe God had anything to do with making sinners ripe for destruction. I believe they've done it all themselves. Because God created man good. He told him what to do. And yet it's fulfilling his purpose all along. We find here in, in verse 23, he goes on, he says, And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. And so these are, people say, well, what was the purpose of sin? Twofold. That he might show his wrath and power, and as well that he might show his glory in saving a people. That's the purpose of sin. There is nothing that happens in this world, yea, in this universe, that God is not in control of and has a purpose for. Not one. And yet, he is not accountable for the sin of man. Then we find as well, the Bible says in Psalms 2, but I want you to turn to the 76th Psalm. Psalm 76. The Bible says in the second Psalm, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Why is it that the heathen act the way they do? It's because they're fulfilling the sinful purposes of their lives. We find here in Psalm 76 and verse 10, Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, the remainder of wrath shalt thou restrain. The wrath and the wickedness and the sin of men, it praises God. That which he permits to happen. God doesn't permit every sinner to fulfill their sinfulness. Thank God he doesn't. 
But I tell you what, you look at the trail of blood, and you tell me, there's not a one here who can say that God didn't have a purpose in that sin. When they murdered all the 50 million Baptists, God had a purpose. It showed that the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. You can't kill out his church. I think it made his church stronger in some instances. We're going to begin to close. I want you to turn over to Matthew. And I want you to note here, again, we're noting God's will of pleasure. That's, that was our focus, but we have to note God's will of purpose as well. God has a will of, and you can turn to Matthew chapter 4. God has a will of pleasure. And that's the will that you and I need to be concerned about doing. We need to be concerned about being pleasing unto God. We're accepted in Christ, but we need to be pleasing ourselves. A sweet-smelling sacrifice unto the Lord. Jesus gave this example throughout his ministry. Matthew chapter 4 and verse uh, 13. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulon and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look over, if you would as well, in the Gospel of Matthew to chapter 8. Note that phrase, that it might be fulfilled. That's what Christ was concerned about. Fulfilling the scriptures. What God's word said he was supposed to do. That's the example he left us. Fulfilling the word of God. Matthew 8 and verse 14. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. That's what Jesus did. He fulfilled the revealed will of God. And he fulfilled every prophecy regarding his first coming before he went up to glory. Every one of them. And that's the example he left us. We're to fulfill every jot and tittle of God's word before the Lord takes us home. Now I want you to note, and you can turn back to Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. But I'll give you this present day example of God's purpose. And I, I, this is my own personal opinion. But you know, 
after World War I, the governments of the world said we need to have a one government that will look over the whole world. And they tried to get the United, or I apologize, the League of Nations. And the United States wouldn't go for it. The United States was the world power at that time. Well, in order to have a one world government, you better have the world power in it. So there was another world war. Now we have the United Nations. And now we're going towards a global economy and a global currency. The European Union and all the things that are happening. The purpose of God is being manifest before our eyes in a one world government that when Jesus comes, the Antichrist will have hardly any work to do. The foundations are being laid for the coming of Christ because it's going to get worse and worse. And you know what's happening? And you know about the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. It's going to be a mock or an imitation of the millennial reign of Christ. Because the first three and a half years are going to be peace like this world has never seen. The Antichrist, you read in Revelation chapter 6, there's going to come one on a white horse. Just like Jesus is going to come on a white horse. It's a mock or an imitation of Christ coming. And there will be three and a half years of peace. And he's going to turn on them. But remember, everyone who's here during that time period, they're all going to flock to Israel. Everything is focused there. Everything, the one world, the economy, everything is focused on that region. It's all fulfilling the purpose of God. I'll admit on paper, you want to know why the United Nations looks like a good idea? Because they stole it from God when Jesus comes and sets up his one kingdom over all the earth. That's why it's a good idea. But here in Deuteronomy 29, in verse 29, it says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. What about God's purpose? It belongs to God. Here's what belongs to us. But those things which are revealed belong unto us, belong unto us, and to our children forever. People say, well, what am I supposed to do? Read the Bible and find out what God has revealed. And for what purpose? That we may do all the words of this law. That's God's will of pleasure. Doing the word of the law. People say, well, God wants me to do something. He'll tell me. He already did. Now go and do it. So this is God's will of pleasure. You want to be pleasing unto the Lord? I'm sure you do. I'd like to be. We all would like to be. This church would like to be pleasing unto the Lord. Well, then we need to do what God told us to do. I think it's very clear. I think it's very plain. And if it's not, then the Holy Spirit will reveal these things to us. We want to stand if the song leader and the pianist will come. We'll have a verse of invitation. <clears throat> and if the Lord speaks to anyone's heart or whatever the Lord would have you to make known, we invite you to come as we sing. What hymn? 147. Turn to page 147. Yeah. <laughs>
salvation and life. The Master made answer in words true and plain. He must be born again. He must be born again. He must be born again. I verily, verily say unto somebody treated me the way I treated God, I believe my mind would get changed. But thankfully, he's not changeable. He never changes. May we thank the Lord for all of these truths. Let's bow our heads and we'll go to the Lord in prayer, thanking him to be here, and asking the Lord for his spiritual teaching this night. Brother Chip, if you'll lead us, and then Brother Gail, if you'll close us out. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you this day, Lord. We, we thank you for the blessings to this church and to its members. Lord, we're thankful for your son that died on the cross to save us from our sins. Lord, we, we're thankful for this message tonight. Lord, may we open our eyes and see that we need to diligently seek your, your uh, pleasure and your will uh, in our lives and to do those things which you have set before us. Lord, we're thankful for a pastor guiding this flock. We know that he is burdened, that you give him the strength to uh, continue on and to take care of this flock, and those things are set before us. Lord, we ask that you be with uh, each and every member here tonight as they travel home and in their workplaces in the coming week, that 
you know, give them the strength to defend those darts of the devil and to um, do your will and, and to be safe and return once again. Lord, those that are out of fellowship with this church, Lord, we do pray for those and pray that you reveal the, the need to be here and, and that uh, the need for uh, bringing honor and glory into you and to doing your purpose and, and most of all to repent of the sins that, that's been committed. Lord, and may we pray that uh, we are so capable of falling in that trap that you'd give us the strength to stay away from those things which would, would uh, commit us into that lifestyle. Lord, please be with uh, our missionaries, other churches of like faith. We ask you to be with Brother David and Sister Betty. She uh, grows weary, Lord. We pray that you give her grace. And those other churches, Brother Larry and Brother Arthur and the other churches around, Lord, be with them tonight as well as they worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, forgive us of our shortcomings and sinful ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.